This is a podcast where you don't have to be perfect. You can be happy. Make your day count. Encouraging, uplifting, full of joy. You're worth more than you think. This is Entirely Unconventional, and I'm Lindsay Roberts. I pray for something miraculous to happen to you today. Hi, everybody. Lindsay Roberts here, and I'm so glad you joined me on Lindsay Roberts Entirely Unconventional because you know what? I believe we live in an unconventional world, but we serve a God that can meet us at the point of our need, and I am so excited to talk to you today. Today is about Habakkuk that says, write the vision down, make it plain. You know, I have listened to this verse. I have quoted this verse. I followed this verse. For so many years, I honestly don't even know how long it's been. But recently, I started doing a background on it and digging more into the book of Habakkuk and Zephaniah. And you may be thinking, okay, that's unusual, digging in the book of like Zephaniah, as opposed to like Isaiah or Proverbs or Psalms or in the beginning in Genesis or Matthew or as Jesus walked through the earth. But you know, it was really strange. I really felt kind of a urgency to look at the history of write the vision down. I don't know why it just seemed like the thing to do. And so I did. And I got such a giggle out of it because it happens to be in Habakkuk 2. But I want to go back to Habakkuk 1, and then I want to go a little forward into Zephaniah and explain this, how we have a Bible right, no matter what the circumstances are around us. Now, I didn't realize quite as much of the history of Habakkuk as I did when I really began to look at it and see that, yes, we know when a prophet speaks, things may be uh, in a certain need that God has got to just stop and use a prophetic voice to get his word out. And that happened with, with you know, we see it happening today, and we certainly saw it hap- happening in Habakkuk's day. But one of the things I was digging about the Bible and looking through and finding is that Habakkuk could have really given up. When you prophesy something and it has not come to pass yet, it is a future discussion. Just like Isaiah prophesied the birth of Jesus and it didn't happen for hundreds of years later, people could have said, you're a crazy man. Well, and we see stuff like that happen. But I want to set the stage for Habakkuk so that... It will make sense when write the vision down comes to pass. Now, I did it in the Message Bible, and I did it because of a couple reasons. First of all, the first headline said, justice is a joke. Well, I wasn't entirely sure where that was coming from, so I wanted to keep reading. So it says, Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4. The problem is God gave Habakkuk to see it. God, this is Habakkuk speaking in a sense, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? Now, right there, at that point, I think I would have, like, run for cover. I think I might have been looking for lightning to strike or something. I don't know. I might have said some things to God, which I'm sure I did in frustration or in um, hurt or pain or confusion. But this is pretty blunt. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? Wow. As strong as that is, I think people are saying that even today. How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Now, that's pretty strong words, but when we look at the background of what Habakkuk was going through, you do understand God knows our heart. God God knows our situation. He doesn't want us to lie to him. And Habakkuk was just being honest. Why do you force 
me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day. Anarchy and violence breaks out, quarrels and fights all over the place. Um, Habakkuk, you could have written this today. Law and order falls to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Now that is Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4. And what's kind of funny about this is it just keeps going on and on. So you get the picture. So then it jumps to Habakkuk 2, which happens to be where write the vision down, make it plain comes from. What is God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. Well, yeah, Habakkuk, I think you should have been. I'll climb out to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. You see, what happened was the Chaldeans were actually oppressing God's people, and God's people were kind of running for cover, so to speak, and Habakkuk is prophesying, and instead of anything coming to pass for the good or for God, Habakkuk keeps prophesying. The people keep looking at him like, you've got to be kidding me. God doesn't seem to be acting. The wicked are taking over and they are the mouthpiece for the nation. And it just seems like no matter what I pray, it's not happening. Have you ever felt like I have prayed and I don't want to say till I'm blue in the face. I don't know why they come up with that, but have you ever prayed until you just think there are no more words to pray? And yet you feel like nothing's happened. You know, so many times God makes a prophetic word and it takes decades to come to pass. I have never been accused of being patient over the decades, and I'm not sure I would ever be accused of being the most patient person on earth. Because to me, um, if I can figure out a way to do it, I'm kind of that fix-it kind of pers person. My, my kids have teased me calling me Bob the Builder, and I like to see a situation I like to see all those crazy parts in the box in that gigantic store where you take it and you get a bunch of wood and you get a bunch of screws and a bunch of different things. And before you know it, you made a bedroom. I am that person. And, and my daughter, Olivia, is just like me, only way better at it than I am. And yet, when I think about it, being a problem solver like that, being a fix it, Bob the Builder, put stuff together kind of person, when God gives me a timetable, I want it to be yesterday or possibly this afternoon. But that isn't always his timetable. So I can see why Habakkuk was getting frustrated. I can see why he was wanting quick answers because it was seemingly like if they don't get a quick answer, it's just falling to pieces. And yet, as he was saying, it didn't appear that God was moving. I want to read it to you again. How long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil? You know, the Bible talks about I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. So many times, honestly, I have seen the evil prosper that I do question, um, Lord, I'm not going to question your judgment, but I tell you this, I, I could see things getting um, frustrating. That's a good word. And then it says anarchy and violence break out. Quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. <coughs> I mean, in all honesty, this could have been written this morning. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. And then it goes into Habakkuk 2. What is God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb out to the lookout tower 
and scan the horizons. I'll wait to see what God says. I'll wait to see what God says. Even though you may be frustrated, don't forget Habakkuk said, I will wait to see what God says and how he'll answer my complaints. Now, I don't think we should just sit and whine, gripe, and complain to God, but Habakkuk is being honest, full of self, but soul empty. That's what the headline of, of the rest of this says. And then God answered, write this. Wow. And that's where we get, write the vision down, make it plain. Write down what God says. Even though it may not make sense to you, even though it may not make sense to the people around you, even though it may seem a little bit far-fetched or down the road or not in the near future or only God could fix this and it doesn't appear that he's fixing it or he's not fixing it fast enough. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters. This is the Message Bible. So that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. Wow and wow. If we continue writing down where we're at, whining, griping, and complaining, not writing a future vision, complaining about the past, complaining about the present, and then maybe complaining about the future, how can God work when we are not in harmony with his word? That's a tough question, especially when it's easy to get your focus on the hard stuff. That stuff's harder to see. It's always staring you in the face. Prophecy's wonderful. I have, my, my great-grandfather was very prophetic to the church. I have a letter he wrote to the church, and I think it was in 19, I want to say 1907 or something like that. I have it, maybe 1927. I, I have the letter in his own handwriting. I have it preserved in like a plastic cover, but he was prophesying what was coming, and he didn't live long enough to see it. He lived in his late 90s, but but he didn't live long enough to see this come to pass in the earth. But it came to pass, no matter whether he saw it or not. He prophesied it. And I'm sure he would have liked to see it come to pass in his lifetime. But it did not. But it came to pass. And it would be easy to say, oh, he was a false prophet. Nope. Had it, as they say, hit the nail on the head. But the truth is, when we have the devil staring us in the face, when we see the, the righteous seemingly frustrated and the wicked seemingly prosper, it's easy to be discouraged. And God said to him, write it down. But listen to the line again just before God said, write the vision down, make it plain. He said, what's going on? What's, oh, I'm sorry, what's God going to say to my question? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb out to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. They were waiting for the Chaldeans to attack again. And he said, I'll wait to see what God says and how he'll answer my complaint. He didn't say, I'll just wait and get creamed. He didn't say, I'll just wait and hope for the worst or I'll wait and hope for the best. He said, I'll wait to see what God says. Then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it down in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision, the message is a witness pointing to what's coming. And this is uh, Habakkuk 2, uh, 2 and 3 in the Message Bible. If it seems slow in coming, wait. 
It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on the way. Here's the hard part. It will come right on time. If my right on time and God's right on time are not exact, I would rather go to my right on time if it's faster. But it doesn't mean it's better. It doesn't mean it's correct. It doesn't mean it's right. And then it says this, but oh God is the whole in his holy temple. Oh God is in his holy temple. But oh God is in his holy temple. Quiet everyone. A holy silence. Listen. There is a time to speak and there is a time to listen. Sometimes we speak and words come out. Sometimes we don't speak and no words come out. But this is different. This is listen. Speaking is one thing. Not speaking is another thing. But this is listening. When you listen, you not only hear the words, but you process them and then you carry them out properly. Listening to me is an art form. It's a skill that you not only hear the words coming in, but you process them and then you operate according to what God is saying. Quiet, everyone. A holy silence. Listen. That is Habakkuk 2 verse 20. But, oh God, God is in his holy temple. Quiet, everyone. A holy silence. Listen. And then Zephaniah goes on and says this in Zephaniah 1. Who think God doesn't do anything, good or bad? He isn't involved, so neither are we. But just wait. Just wait. God is up to something, and I believe it's something good. Who think God doesn't do anything, any, do anything, good or bad? He isn't involved, so neither are we. But just wait. That word is a thread through Habakkuk and Zephaniah. Wait. Just wait. God is up to something, and I believe it's something good. Habakkuk actually means embracer. The cool thing about embracing is you really can embrace the word of God, the will of God. You can hear God. You can listen to God. You can embrace it. You have that ability to embrace. But because you have the ability, the ability to embrace, you also can embrace the negative. And God is saying, if you'll just wait, embrace God, embrace the po positive, embrace the Holy Spirit, let God answer by the Holy Spirit. While a prophet, which Habakkuk was, is a watchman. That's his job. He's a watchman. But he's also knowing when to watch, when to speak, when to listen, and he's giving us the instruction when to do it all. If you will embrace Habakkuk loved God, and he embraced his love for God. But he was also embracing the negative. When you have the ability to sing, you can sing positive, and you can sing negative. When you have the ability to talk, you can use your words positive, you can use them negative. When you have the ability to cook, you can cook something very positive and something very negative. But the point with Habakkuk is he was an embracer. And unfortunately, by the sound of things, he was embracing the goodness of God in the land of the living, but he was also embracing the negative so tight, it was hard for him to listen to God. And God was saying, stop, listen, write it down. Wait for that holy silence. I want to talk to you about listening. I want to talk to you about holy silence. 
Yes, it's one thing to talk and say words. Lovely. And we can formulate a good or a bad situation on our words. It's another thing to hear words. It's another thing to say nothing at all. But listening, listening is an art form. They have a thing called active listening. And listening, sometimes people think is passive, like, ooh, Calgon, take me away. It's just kind of you sit back and you sort of listen. But there's a thing called active listening. And what that is, is embracing, to me, the way I read it and interpret it, is that you stop and you listen with a purpose, not just, oh, I'm going to listen to a cool song when it's over, forgot the song. Oh, I'm going to listen to what the teacher says, and by the test time, I forgot it. But when you listen actively, you make an act of your will to listen so that when you get the instruction properly, it will yield the proper outcome based on what you do next. Active listening doesn't mean you just sit back and fall asleep and you kind of fake that you're listening and snooze while the teacher's talking. Active listening is kind of like what I call an art form. You are physically listening with the purpose that at the end of the listening, you will respond properly. The message has been conveyed. You have listened with listening ears that as it's conveyed, you make the proper response. And what Habakkuk was saying, what Zephaniah was saying was, Oh God, God is in his holy temple. Quiet, everyone. A holy silence. Listen. That doesn't mean tune him out. A holy silence means active listening. And even though who thinks God doesn't do anything good or bad, he isn't involved, so neither are we, but just wait. Just wait, God is up to something, and I believe it's something good. That's the message Bible, Habakkuk 1 and 2, and then it goes into Zephaniah 1. I want to encourage you to listen, actively listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as you actively listen, listen with the intent to follow through that whatever you're hearing and processing, you will make the conscious decision to do the right thing at the end of listening. I can listen to uh, the radio and I can listen to a song that I wish I could just get it out of my head and all day long something silly is going through my head, wasting my thoughts, wasting my time, wasting my energy, and wasting my listening. But then I can listen to something that's praise and worship. I can listen to the word of God. I can listen to a worship song. And all day long, it does what it was set to do. Bring comfort, bring joy, bring peace, bring revelation, bring praise to God. Active listening is important. And I believe if we have active silence and we listen actively with our spirit, I believe we will respond properly. Again, you know, I get all kinds of questions based on certain topics, which causes me to talk about those topics. So, okay, I giggle at some of these because I'm telling you what, I did not write this, but I am telling you this could have had my name on the end of it. I did not write it, I promise you. But if ever there was one sentence that I could have written in, patience isn't my strong suit. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Richard used to say to me, if patience is a virtue, Lindsay's virtueless, ha ha ha, not funny. Accurate, but not funny. Patience isn't my strong suit. I know I need to wait on God, but waiting feels like torture. Okay. Any thoughts on how we have peace in the wait? You know, Habakkuk and Zephaniah said something interesting. They both voiced their complaint. They voiced their frustration. 
They did to God. They weren't just griping to other people. But in their voicing it, they both said, wait. But there was the perfect thing that Habakkuk said, holy silence. Waiting doesn't mean you sit and do anything. There's a scripture that talks about, you know, let patience have its perfect work. I think it's James. And it says, let patience have its perfect work, and it will leave you entire wanting nothing. I looked up that word patience, mainly because Richard uses that word with me a lot. But I looked up the word patience, and it doesn't mean it's a passive word. Patience is actually an active word. It, you're doing something. It doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. Patience actually means the proving, the testworthiness of your faith. I wish I had my exact translation. I don't have it in front of me. But it's proving the trustworthiness of your faith. Patience isn't just sitting waiting for the other shoe to drop. Patience is activating your faith, which comes by hearing the word of God. So if you're in that situation of frustration and whining, griping and complaining and a whole host of other things, well, I can say been there, done that, but that's not totally accurate. I do it all the time. I do it a lot. I'm human. But one thing I do when I catch myself doing it is let's get back to patience having its perfect work. How do you do that? By actively listening to the word of God. Activate a praise tape. Activate a worship tape. Get into a quiet place where you are practicing active listening. Not passive listening, but active listening. Get a pen. Get a paper. Sit down before the Lord. Quiet. Pray. And actively listen to what he's saying, so much so that you write it down. I'm sitting in front of me, and I have a little red book on my lap where my notes are. And I keep a red, I don't know why I've always used red, but I keep this red notebook beside my bed. And I guess it's just because, you know, it's easy to see. But whenever I get a thought and I'm quiet before the Lord, I keep this notebook with a pen attached to it to immediately write down something God is saying. Now, the devil can have you write down things like failure and all this other stuff and remind you to rehearse it daily. But I would like you to consider actively listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and God will tell you something positive. God will tell you something good. I believe God will tell you the answer when we actively listen with a holy silence. Let me grab my paper with it. It says, quiet, everyone, a holy silence. Listen. God is up to something, and I believe it's something good. We can get to the place where we can lay our frustrations aside and as an act of of our will and choices that we make, go in, get quiet before the Lord. I have a place in my house I get quiet before the Lord. Go in and get quiet before the Lord and actively listen. Don't talk. Actively listen. Say, Father God, I'm quiet before you. This is holy silence. I'm listening for what you have to say. And then be willing to write it down and see. And that's where the write the vision down, make it plain. It's the, it's the same chapter. I'm, it's the same uh, Habakkuk 1 and Habakkuk 2. Write that vision down. Listen with holy reverence, holy silence. And as you do, take that active listening. And you're not sitting back waiting for the shoe to drop. And you're not sitting waiting in torture. You're actively operating 
in faith. How? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Get a scripture, quote it, say it, speak it, declare it. When you do, I believe that not only does the situation start to change, not only do you start to change, but I believe it puts the devil on the run. That's just my question or my thoughts on it. Okay, this may be a stupid question. I don't believe there's any stupid questions. I think the only question that can be controversial is the one you never ask. That's just my personal opinion. Yes, some things are just totally off the cuff. But for me, when you hear certain questions, it does make me think. So this question may be stupid. No, I believe it's smart. But it's not a logical strategic. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But I'm not a logical strategic person. Okay, I really am a logical strategic person. So I don't even write a grocery list or I'll lose it. Okay, that's hilarious because I actually, when I ask for stuff in my Christmas stocking, I ask for those kind of lists that are a list of lists. I'm not kidding. I, I like look on the internet. I actually have a file cabinet that's got like all my preaching files and stuff like that and the important files. And I have a list file. The file is labeled lists. I'm not kidding. I write lists so much that I have a file in my file cabinet called lists like list to buy at the grocery store, list to fill your pantry, or a list that is something that, you know, you repeatedly do, list to carry when you go and travel, list for electronics. So I am such a list maker. And this question said, I don't even write a grocery list or I'll lose. Now this question could be written by Richard. Okay, I said it. Do I need to just suck it up and do it, or is writing it down figurative? No, no, no. I believe if it's in the Bible, do it. Why? The Bible says write the vision down and make it plain. I believe it is a reminder. You know, we have our phones. We have our reminders in our phone. If you are around me, you might be the kind of person that might want to drop, my, you know, drop kick my phone into another century because I have alarms going off all the time. But the truth of the matter is, if I have an appointment, if I have a call to make, I will be the first person to forget it. So I make a list. I put the list in front. I put it in, in my door as I'm going out my door to go outside. I even put a list in front of my car, like where the key ignition is. If it's something that is so vitally important, I'll put a sticky note with a list where you put your keys in your car. So I will make sure I see it. I will put a list on the refrigerator. I'm looking at one, two. There's a pink one and a yellow one on my refrigerator right now as I am speaking this. I once put so many little sticky notes on Richard's mirror that he called me and said, Lindsay, I can't even see my face to shave. I said, well, then as you begin to quote these, you can peel it off. But until then, leave it there. Why? Because it is forever in your remembrance. You know, they wouldn't make these phones with uh, the applications or the different things that come with them that are reminders. If reminding you of something wasn't vitally important, so I believe it is just not a good idea, a figure of, of speech. No, I believe God said, write it down so that you'll remember it accurately and so that you keep it in the forefront. And not just to read to yourself, but say, devil, pull up a chair, I'll read to you. And I don't believe he will. I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm not saying invite the devil. I'm saying that as you quote the word of God, the devil loses interest in what he can get. Because as he comes to you and has that open door, and you're not quoting anything and you're not declaring anything, then he seems to have free reign. But if you make a list and write the scripture down and declare it and quote it, I believe the devil doesn't want to come 
in the middle of that type of a situation. Next question. Every year I make a New Year's resolution. One day I called them New Year's revelations, and I think I was accurate. They were God giving me revelation of things that I could do to change and rearrange in order to see things change in my life. So every year I make a New Year's resolution. I write them down, but if I'm honest, I've given up on every resolution by three, three weeks. Oh, wow, by week three. What am I doing wrong? A resolution, a revelation, a revolution, uh, uh, an idea in your head that's really probably a good idea based on your past experiences. Well, if you have to write it down as a revelation, let me ask you this question, is, or a resolution, is it because it failed before? So are you simply repeating a pattern of failure that has the opportunity to fail again? I, I, I did a podcast, I think it was last week, and it was things to remove as a, as a prayer before the Lord, Lord, can you show me these things that I should remove? And if it's not you, don't do it. But if it is you, Lord, show me the things that you would like me to remove so I have a nice clean slate so I don't set myself up for failure. One of them was fear. Um, the second one was the past. And the third one was negative talk about just negativity in general, but even negative talk about yourself. And some of the things that I try to do is start my life out with a clean slate so that when I write these New Year's resolutions, they have more chance to stick than following the same failed pattern that I have set myself up for failure before. And just because the clock turned at 12.01 on, on December 31 going into January 1, it's not like magic fairy dust is just going to appear and poof, I tiptoe through the tulips and all the things that I wrote down and failed before at, I'm not going to fail at because the fairy dust came in because the clock turned. No, I believe if it was a pattern that didn't work before, consider changing the pattern. I had a math teacher when I was in high school, and I struggled. I was a straight-A student, but I struggled in algebra, geometry simple. But algebra, I struggled, and I ended up with an 89.5, and I asked the teacher, can I do extra credit? Can it? it was the only B I got, and I was so upset about it. And he was not willing to budge. And some of it, I realized that actually I was one of the, I may have been the highest grade in the class. And, and all of us made the comment that we were struggling. And I can't say it was a bad teacher, but I can say this, none of us seemed to get the concept. Then I went to another algebra class. You had algebra back in my day, a million and a half years ago. You had algebra one and algebra two. So I go to algebra two, and it seemed to be so easy. It made so much sense. Geometry, easy. Well, then I went to trig and calculus. And my trig and calculus teacher would not let us keep repeating the pattern wrong. We didn't just get to do 50 questions. Hey, if you got number one wrong, probably you're going to get the remaining 49 wrong. He made us learn the pattern to do it right, that if you had two questions or 200 questions, you learned the pattern and therefore you set yourself up for success. If you were wrong on question one, two, three, four, and five, and by the third week into it, I guess this was what this question said, um, every res I had given up on every resolution by week three. So say you're in a math class and by week three, you've still gotten every problem wrong. Something's wrong with the formula. You know, you have like the Pythagorean theorem or you have this or you have that. You have formulas that are, are, are to work. People say, well, I, I, I can't do math. Math's hard. No, math is, to me, 
Math is easy for this reason. Now, higher math is a little different, but math is easy. Basic math is easy to me because why? Two plus two will always be four. Four plus four will always be eight. 10 plus 10 will always be 20. It's a pattern. And when you find a successful pattern that works and you stick to the pattern, you set yourself up for success. If your week three is failure and you can't even get past week three and their resolutions because every time you set yourself up for them, you failed. So you got to start January one and try it again. Perhaps go into prayer. Ask the Father God, are there some things that I could eliminate that in my eliminating those particular things, could I be setting myself up with a clean slate, able to set myself with a pattern for success? Now, what the Lord showed me for me were three things, fear, the past, and negative talk. The Lord told me to get rid of the things he wanted me to get rid of that were causing fear. I'm just talking about spiritual things. He wanted me to remember ye not the former thing. That's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And then the third thing was negative talk. Whether it's something someone said to me and I just embedded it into my spirit or something I said to someone else or even the negative talk I said to myself. The Lord told me to guard my words and to use my words wisely. So I want to encourage you this. I want you to, I want to encourage you to write the vision down. Choose your words correctly and wisely scripturally. Get a nice clean slate. Maybe you do have to deal in some way with asking the Lord to remove fear, remove things that are negative talk about yourself or remove anything that is in your spirit that is creating a bumpy road, so to speak. And as you wipe the slate clean, ask the Lord how to fill it. Because apparently this said, every time I make a New Year's resolution, I write them down. But if I am honest, I give up on them. There's four eyes. Oh, wait, what am I doing wrong? Five eyes and no Jesus. Well, I would start out by Lord Jesus. Help me start with a clean slate. What would you like me to fill on my pages of this list? And as I write the vision down, give me scriptures to follow, scriptures to quote, and even encouraging words of hope and life to encourage myself. David encouraged himself, not in his situation. His situation was awful. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Lord, give me encouraging words, words from you, words from your Bible. God talks like he writes and writes like he talks. And if it's contrary to that, you better rethink if the devil's trying to wedge his way in. Write the vision down make it plain, listen to what the Lord is saying, get into active listening, active silence, active quietness, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Then write your revolutions and your resolutions and your revelations down. And as you do that, I pray that will be a blessing to you. I pray you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You actively listen to what God has say, to say to you. And when you do, you actively carry out the word and the will of God. I believe that will make not only those resolutions good, but I believe it will change your entire life. So I pray that for you today, that you hear from God, you listen, and then you do faith without corresponding actions. Get into the corresponding action. Listen to the word of God. Write the vision down, and then as God directs you, walk it out. And I pray it is a successful journey. The Bible says, I pray you prosper. That means a successful journey on your road of life. That's my prayer for you today. And I pray that you really get a revelation. Are you ready? That you are worth more than you think. Bye-bye for now. I pray you have a blessed day. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. To connect with Lindsay on social media, follow her on Instagram at Lindsay Roberts Official. To get a copy of Lindsay's brand new book, Discover Your True Worth, simply search Discover Your True Worth on Amazon.com. We'll see you next week.